Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Uh, it's good to have you back in the States. It was a lonely week, lonely two weeks without you. Um, so it's nice to have you back. Good to have you back, pal. It's um it's great to be back. I um I'm not fond of traveling. I I I put it somewhere even um less liked than talking on the telephone. Um, <laughs> you, you've recalled in the past, I referred to my anger management issues. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, vaguely, vaguely. There was a moment on this trip, I said, the second I get home, I'm sticking my passport in the shredder. <laughs> and then I realized I couldn't do that because I couldn't go to Canada and see my daughter. So um yeah so it's good to be back you know we do have to be a little bit careful when we take the roadies along because they got a little crazy on the plane coming back rough bunch <laughs> well it's a lot of equipment to move yeah, I know. Know? are you gonna do it customs i know i know, I know. Oh, the, whole, the whole thing yeah um it, to, to give a little um Inside baseball of inside baseball to tell you what a funny guy Liam Allen is. You know, uh, with inflation and lack of the uh, price pressure with our sponsors and wanting to keep the subscription prices unchanged. I said to Liam, I, I got to go to Staples. We need some stuff. <laughs> and so I said something about... Uh, do we need anything? And he said, um, don't forget, we need some more toner cartridges. And Liam said, uh, I asked him, do I want the name brand or the generic? And he said, it's it's not medicine. Get the generic. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I, I've had ongoing debates with doctors over the years about the generic versus the, the name brand. And uh, what's the it, verdict? Well, the verdict is some people think there's absolutely no difference, and some people think it's all the difference in the world. And I'm in the the latter camp. I, you know, I've tried both, and in some cases, you know, niche get. Uh, <laughs> no good. But you can go online and buy like your drugs from Canada. You brought up Canada. Like, I, if if I was some Americans, I think are forced to buy drugs like say they want the generic and they can get it online from canada for like yeah. a here's the bad news i hate to put burst your bubble but according to sources believed to be reliable the drugs that canada gets come from china so you don't know really what you you may be thinking you're getting you know your yeah. uh prozac uh in name brand. Brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. Well, back to the back to the trip. I want to hear about I want to hear about the trip because it's not going to go undiscussed because you can't go halfway around the world. Um, and like like you said, the, the highlight of your of 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 your existence is traveling. Okay. So well, so this is what I <clears throat> I wanted to before I delve, I wanted to determine how deep you want to go because I mean, both of us have plenty of experience in the restaurant hotel industry. And so I think we could potentially between us hold a master's class. But, you know, in this case, the experience was so bad. I don't know it's, it's how, far you, how far you want to go before we end up sounding or I sound up like a whiny little bitch, you know. Dude, our foundation, our our relationship, the foundation of our relationship, okay, was built on like restaurant recommendations. This is so I've known MB longer than my wife. So when I had a date, I would ask MB, I need a restaurant downtown. He'd give me three options. That this went on for years, okay? So we have gone through, okay, good, bad, best, ugly. And there's nothing I enjoy more than getting your opinion, and I hold it in the highest regard, okay. okay. Well, let me let me try and do it this way. We can do it how when you're expecting the best, what you should expect, 
And if you're expecting the best and you you don't, then you'll know. Okay. Yeah. So uh, before COVID, Cheryl and I were in um, New Zealand and the hotel we were supposed to travel to on our next stop literally burned down, burned to the ground. And so we had 10 days that we had to find a place to stay. And there was a, a Julian Robertson chain. Uh, it was just, I don't know if chain's the right word. There are two, 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 two hotels, one called Cape Kidnappers and one called Parry Cliffs. And so um, one of my former business partners had been to Cape Kidnappers and said, you know, best place ever. And and this is coming from a guy that, you know, he researches which room to stay in the hotel. You're supposed to, that kind of thing. So we go to this Cape Kidnappers and we're there for 10 days, which is an awfully long time. The place was run. This is when Julian Robertson was still alive. And I think his son was kind of running the show. And it was living the high life. You know, men were required to wear a jacket at dinner. I don't think you had to have a tie, but there was no, you know, nasty tank tops, yeah. Nasty blue sport coat over a golf shirt. Like you had to have a dress shirt on. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's one of those things. You, you, you think it seems silly until you experience it both ways, right? I remember back when I played that awful game called golf. I belonged to Westchester Country Club, and there were there were rules there that seemed archaic at the time to me. For instance, if you were to play tennis, you had to wear all white. There was no, you know, hat backwards. The whole expressing thing. your fashion coolness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no cell phones. Doctors were allowed to carry pagers with them. And by the end, when I quit golf, and this is 93 or something like that, by then you were allowed to go into your car in the parking lot and make a cell phone call. Yeah. That's how, you know, yeah. down the place was. Yeah. Okay. You know, no blue jeans, the whole, and, and again, it, at the time, initially, it was like, oh, what a hassle. And then after a while, you realize it's just a little nicer, right? And so, you know, the first year we go to this Kari Cliffs, and we walk into this beautiful bungalow, and there's this enormous fruit basket. There was a bucket of ice with champagne in it, uh, a, a bucket of ice I'll come back to that. And, um, you know, within half a day, all of the staff knew our name, right? Um, each meal was multiple choices of what you would want. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I could go on. It was just, it was, it was just nice. And so we're excited to get to the Kari Cliffs because it's supposed to be same thing, just slightly different location. And, you know, we get there and, you know, all seems pretty, pretty normal. And we get to the room and again, this is where it sounds like a little bit of a crybaby, but there's a bowl sitting in the sun with two little kiwi fruit in it. Two. I have a picture. I'm not even going to bother. But not only are there two of these nasty-looking kiwi, they're baking in the sun. Okay? I love it. I love it. Secondly, there's no complimentary bottle of wine. There's no – I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember ever going on a vacation, even when – we were on our honeymoon going into a hotel room and there wasn't some 
free shitty bottle of wine, right? I, I don't drink it. I, I it's just it's just like the fucking gesture, right? And um, you know, uh two fucking kiwis. <laughs> I, I'm looking, I open the refrigerator, there's one Coke Zero. Oh, there's stop. One, there, there's one, there's one uh regular Coke, and there's three or four cans of resort labeled water. <laughs> resort can water. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is I I I'm embarrassed for two reasons. One is I don't know how much a day it was. So I do. I do. And okay, how much was it? It's like 10 grand probably. Yeah. Ballpark. Yeah. yeah. So in our last podcast, I gave the kids the secret code DNR, which in the Sachs family, we keep track of restaurants and stuff. DNR is a do not return, right? So so we go to we go to dinner. So do I stop? You're bent already. So you you Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is it's it's a chronicle of a death foretold, right? But you know, I put on my sport coat, and uh, we go to the cocktail lounge thing. And I walk in, and one of the guys comes up to me and says, "Greetings, welcome to the you know cocktail hour." And he makes it clear that the first drink is on the house. After that, you have to pay. Like, got a wedding <laughs> reception, pal. <laughs> And then where does it go from there? Then, you know, Cheryl had sent ahead that she's vegan, right? So we look at the menu and, you know, there's basically four choices, couple of meat, couple of fish. And there was like one, you know, cacio de pepe, like (laughs) the pasta dish, right? And so... For her, I'm sympathetic because, you know, how much pasta can you eat? Every time you go to a restaurant, if you're a vegetarian, you don't. So anyway, um, the service is, I can't even say adequate. I mean, so you're talking to someone that was a busboy at the Tivoli restaurant and, um, uh, the name escapes me, but in Illinois. But in and, one of the finest dining cities in the world, in the finest dining era of the world. Yeah, like, yeah. Chicago, so, Chicago in the 60s. I mean, you... So if I was walking the floor, not clearing plates, if I didn't have a fucking pitcher of water in my hand, filling people's water glasses, I was going to get dressed down, right? Okay. So I'm sitting there. For 15 minutes, my glass is empty. And finally, I, I reach over and I pull the bottle over and I pour myself the water. And, uh, you know, you can just tell Cheryl's looking at me. She don't, doesn't know which way this thing, which she knows it's going sideways. <laughs> but other than that, right? And so we have dinner and completely bland. There was nothing, you know, like... You you, wow. you know you can dress up like you go to a Danny Meyer restaurant. You you go to any of these places. You know it'll be a certain kind of fish with you know capers or lemon butter. It was yeah. like you know salmon. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the the fourth night after they haven't changed the menu once. <laughs> Oh, wait, wow. there's but no, there's in fact this was this was this was funny. We're on the airplane coming home, and they're giving Cheryl and me the menu. And I look at the menu and I look at Cheryl, I go, Oh my god. And she goes, What's wrong? I said, It's the same menu as Kari Clips. <laughs> so never lose your sense of humor. But um, yeah, in hindsight, I think, and and I'm I'm saying, 
you're to blame as well. And I'll explain why. Okay. So the Robertson family sold it to this company. Rosewood. I don't know who. Rosewood. And Rosewood. Okay. I don't know whether Rosewood owns it or manages it, but they're they're managing it. Okay. But whoever bought it put up a big number, right? So what's the first thing they're going to come and do? They're going to fucking cut costs. Like, it up. Yep. like, what the fuck is wrong with me? How do I not think about this thing, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I could go on with it. But, you know, we're sitting on the veranda the day before we set to leave, and the uh, manager walks by, and she makes the mistake of asking me, well, how's your stay been? And, I, you know, I know enough to know that as satisfying as it would be to let her have it, Cheryl's there and Cheryl won't stand for bad behavior. So I gave her a very polite rundown of things that were wrong, including including the mold in the shower. Um, and she was, you know, nodding great, you know, gratefully. And she said, um, do you mind if I give you my email address and you could send me an email with your comments? I looked at her and said, wait a minute, I'm supposed to take my time and send you notes on how you're supposed to do your job? She wants to give it to her boss. Yeah. Well, I just told her. Yeah, well, but she, uh, in her no, defense, I, I, no, I get it. I know. I, I, know. I, I get it. But it's like the booger. Don't <laughs> stick the booger on me because you can't get it off your finger. Totally. Right? Totally. But the, the mold, um, you know, that caught her a little off guard because I know what they do. So they open the door and they look in. And, and by the way, you could tell there had been um, plumbing that had been removed but they didn't change the tile, right? So, the, but the mold is in the cracks where the door is because the mm -hmm. staff has to get down on their knees, and right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, of course. So, so um, I don't know. I don't even think we can give it an F. I, I think it, 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 it incomplete. And again, I'm not. I'm not looking for anything. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to look for that, you know, oh, let me give you a free drink at the bar, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I give her, you know, a solid 10 minutes of of po polite explanation and uh, nothing, not even like complimentary T-shirt, you know, I mean, how about a free massage? How, how about nothing nothing so in the meantime the bank of new york mellon has made good on my fraudulent check <laughs> so now even the bank of new york mellon does a better job at banking than rosewood or whoever runs the fucking place does it. so listen this is old chestnut Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money. Okay. It's a lot of money. Call up, get your money back. Just tell them you, you heard the place is gone to the dogs. And uh, yeah, for, for us, I mean, I, I, the burn rate here is insane. It's like, I, you know, um, <laughs> my kids are lucky that you know, they children can't be put in debtor's prison when their parent dies. Because <laughs> between the hookers, cocaine, and squandering the rest, there's going to yeah. be nothing left when I'm gone. Pile of debt, yeah. <laughs> well, whose idea was it to take the roadies to do the broadcast? <laughs> that left a mark, man. They run up a bill at the, at the hotel bar. <laughs> it's crazy. So, um, Anyway, uh, 
Off Did the we... list, dude. Off the list. Were you? Were, was you irked the whole time? We just was it a grind on you? Because you're not. You, you know, you're you're. you're not yeah. always, you're not always pleasant when things aren't going your way. <laughs> so you're a man of letters. And all I really remember about literature from my uh, public school education is they would talk about like how a Shakespeare play would be, how you would have this escalation, then the denouement, right? And then the resolution, right? So... We leave Kari Cliffs to catch our local commercial flight to get to Auckland and home to um, LA and then on to uh, Arizona. And as we're pulling up to the airport, the New Zealand air lady comes out and says, your flight's been canceled. And I look at her. And I look at Cheryl, and I don't, even I don't know where this is going now. I said, no problem. Please go get a helicopter and take me to my flight. And she looks at me like I got three heads. Yeah. And she goes, what? I said, I, I have an international flight. I cannot miss. You, you need to provide me with a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> And she didn't know whether to laugh, cry, whatever. She said, well, we'll pay to drive you to Auckland, but, I, you know, and I don't know how. This is this is the mystery why men need a, a, a wife. And I don't mean this. This isn't going to come out as nice as I want it to sound, because I do really think this is a nice thing. I don't know how, but in under 20 minutes, Cheryl had somehow pulled a helicopter out of her ass. <laughs> and we're flying by helicopter from this little middle, nothing fucking airport. And we make the flight, <laughs> plenty of time to spare. It's like, I'd have bet my whole net worth we were stuck in New Zealand for another three fucking weeks. <laughs> Are you serious, dude? Cheryl got the chopper. She got the she got the chopper. Yeah, I don't. I. I and I, I. I don't look. You know, I'm the guy that said if I could make money sticking pins in a QB doll, my fingers would be numb and there'd be blood everywhere. I don't care. It just happened. It it happened. And I, you know, it's testament to her. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It, but it happened. Um, anyway, we got home, and uh, I'm delighted to be home. Um, Meanwhile, the and, crew's on a coach bus on some cliff cliffside road trying to get to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> now the guys know how you why you disappeared. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, early onset dementia. I don't. I don't know. I just read something. Actually, they were showing uh, a study that was done. They're discovering uh, that it's not often, but you know how they give people like human growth hormone and stuff like that? Yeah. I think if I read the article right, they used a lot of uh, bone from cadavers or something like that. And it's now that kids are getting older or now they're adults or whatever, it's it's they're developing early dementia, Alzheimer's. Yikes. Um, so so on the next uh pandemic, be sure to line up for that COVID shot right away. Um yeah, I know. I, well, um so uh I just wanted to to overview a highly sensitive topic. So give me a little latitude, okay? So there was a lot since I was away that's happened in the Middle East. And I have really become very polarized in my beliefs 
I feel very strongly. Uh, I know we had mentioned that IBWAC stands with Israel. So we've already made our position known. Um, but I, and this is subject to how you feel about it, but I, I don't think people listen to hear our opinions about the Middle East. Um, I, I don't think I'm qualified to do anything more than gives an opinion. And so I don't really know that unless it's going to affect the market, we should talk about it because if you agree, it becomes an echo chamber. If you disagree, it becomes a source of irritation. And it seems to me, uh, and feel free to chime in, people have kind of made up their mind on what side they're on. And I, I don't think we need to be a, yet another person, you know, mucking around in this stuff and stick to well, we know. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, you've seen me cringe every time you said bring up Hamas or the Middle East. You know, it's my least favorite subject we discuss. I don't know why you're, I don't know why you're asking my opinion on this. Okay. <laughs> the audience knows where I stand on this. I mean, like with the tunnels, with the tunnels in Brooklyn, I want to discuss <laughs> not over that. Okay. No, I, dude, I totally agree, dude. There's no win in it. There's no, it's such a lose lose. The only win is that, like, you know, people feel like you're being open and honest, which I do. I, people tune in. To, it's a radio show. People want to feel and want to hear. And I think if you were a fraud about it or you got like if we got gagged by the fucking network, then it would be different. But it's you giving your honest opinion, which when it was going on and when it was newsworthy and it's you and me talking, which at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck about anyone else. But you're right. There's no winning. There's no upside or downside. You know? Yeah. It's a fucking black hole, dude. It, it it is. I mean, we've we've kind of picked our sides. I, and the longer it goes on, you see. I don't. Now we're talking about, it, but you see the schism between the support in the support of Israel. You know, even the united front of supporting Israel. You there's that's become fractured. Netanyahu has become a polarizing figure, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's all, but it's playing out in social media, and there's so much noise that. Yeah, dude, if you never, if we, that's fine with me. Uh, well, I, I would say, and this is agnostic, I do think, because, you know, I, I like complicated systems. Yeah. Uh, think, and, and this is a highly dynamic situation. And I do think it's moving in a way that we're going to get a resolution relatively, not relatively quickly. Um, just by the the players, the bits of information we're seeing, and um, so I, I I guess that's a way we could frame it that I think is yeah shouldn't, shouldn't upset too many people. No, but, people uh, come to the radio show for your jokes, um, and you getting aggravated with like bad restaurants, bad service, or in 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 fucking capable employees on the phone at Goldman Sachs that want to talk to their supervisor when you're asking them to fucking tie their shoes. Um, that's the kind of stuff that makes the show. That's the pulse of the show. Did I ever talk about, I don't know that I ever talked about talking to people at Goldman Sachs. I, I, Okay, so talking about that's maybe all right. The, maybe the episode you didn't name names. This was this was a long time ago, like four years ago. So let's not discuss it again. Have we been know. doing this four years? Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's crazy. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, just I know it's a little late in the game, but I did want to congratulate Gary Gensler on getting the stuff done on the SPACs. Um, <laughs> Again, way to go, champ. I mean, so what was your greatest accomplishment? The reining in of that illegal currency Bitcoin? No, no, I I set up some more onerous rules regarding SPACs, which have not been in the headlines in months. What a so, disaster. You know, um, good luck to you, Gary. Um, you know, hopefully uh, you grow up here at one point. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I just didn't want to leave without mentioning that. And and you know, the the gift that keeps on giving, Kathy Wood, um, 
I don't know how this woman gets so much airtime. It can't continue. It can't go on forever. It's it feels like forever. No. If you're an investor, even if you have forever, you're never getting your money back. Brutal, dude. I know. I know. Um, Talk to me about Jay Powell and the FOMC meeting. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the audience wants to hear about, okay? Oh, no, and they're, they're going to sit on their hands. It's great. You know, one of these things, it, it it's honestly not being lazy on my part. Although I, I, you know, I do have that, you know, habit, but I don't feel they need to do anything, but wait. Now, keeping in mind, you know, my memory is not great, but I believe the last couple of episodes, we've mentioned how the market has priced in some pretty aggressive easing and the market was at risk of being disappointed. And the payroll number that came out today was, I think they've got 16 out of 16 in a row wrong. Um, spurious? I, How about spurious? <laughs> I love that word. I know. No. Um, so I didn't even bother to dissect it. I'm just throwing it out because, again, and I mean, I'm not an economist, but I've seen enough of this stuff. Again, repeating the same things over and over again. At economic turning points, you can't put a lot of focus on this economic data because there's so many assumptions that get built into these things. And this is another example of it. So if we get three of these in a row, three is a trend, okay? So I, you know, just, again, the two-year note now yields a four and three ace. Not a bad rate to park your not, your money. Um, I mean, not as good a rate as five and a quarter, as one of our photograph listeners on our website likes to point out. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what intrigues me, and this is more questions than answers, but we're back to, I wouldn't say severely inverted, we're, but we're back to an inverted yield curve. And it's given me the creeps. I'm looking at the long bond, which uh, closed at a 422. I was hoping it was going to close at a 420 because you know how I like that mystical number. But in a 422 long bond, nobody wants to own a 422 long bond. Okay. So the people who own it. What do they want to own it at? Five. So anyone who owns it at a 422 owns it because they have to. It ain't coming out for sale. Okay. That's all those people that need the duration and stuff and stuff like that. Um you know, there's been a, a common joke uh, running with me and EG and my crew for 15 years now when they talk about, oh, there's so many bonds or so many bonds. And I would laugh, who will buy our bonds? And yet they come scooping them all up, right? And it's the same thing here, except now you got guys with the long curve trade on meaning they're long twos, short bonds. Uh, they're getting in run up their ass. And um, while the GOAT had said he liked being long the curve and long extra twos, uh, I would suspect based on discussions uh, with some of our uh, executive producers, he's probably out of that trade by now. But if the long bond is going to be at this low rate. I, I I really starting to think it it portends bad things for the economy. You know the the fact that the curve won't go positive. Uh, I I 
I don't know why that I'd say that that's bad. I just, my instinct tells me the inability of the market after all of this time to show a real recession and a steep yield curve, something is not right. And I, I haven't quite come to figure, figure it out. I, I'm, as I've said, uh, way too many times, I have no trouble being relatively flat. And especially at this rate level, you know, if inflation is pick a number three or even 4%, you know, you can own any treasury and you're not losing purchasing power. Now you got to pay income taxes maybe, but you know, it's not a bad place to sort of chill in, in, in the weeds. If something unusual does happen and you're liquid, you're going to have the ability to take advantage of it. If something unusual happens, you won't be able to create liquidity because, you know, in a crisis, you know, all correlations go to one. Um, you know, last week I had a ton of material I wanted to to go through and we got caught up in something and, and, um, uh, but there were a couple of quotes. One was from Jim Rickards, who was working at long-term capital management. Uh, he had been chief counsel at Greenwich Capital when I worked there, but I think he was let go. Um, and now he's a, a bon vivant giving his views on the economy. Um, I did forgive see some... Forgive me, is he a gold shill now? You know, shill is a pejorative term. So, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I did see was, he's on some podcast, and they talk about how he brokered the deal with long-term capital management. You know, I... I don't know that's the phrase I would use. It's sort of like, you know, unconditional surrender. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I brokered that. Um, the other was, and I, I forget where I saw this, but I want to say it was Merton who said, uh, you know, if you look at history, what happened never should have happened, which again explains he doesn't understand. Because if you look at history, you would know that these exogenous events happen. Remember I told you how I, I think it was Kate that I gave that little project to look up the volatility, I think it was soybeans. And and the the, the Unusual. I won't even use the word exogenous to make it clear. The unusual events happened way more frequently than the the models would have predicted. And um, one of the comments uh, Rickards had made about the Fed, like the Fed had no idea what they were doing when they came in. No, you don't know what you're doing. Their job was not to come in and understand your trades. Their job was to come in and blow you the fuck out and get the world spinning again. And if you think it was anything other than that, it's just further evidence you don't know what you're talking about. So, um, <sighs> did you, uh, you know, there's um, there's a German word I, I like so much, Schadenfreude. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, don't ask me to spell it, but I, I, I love it. The lead metal. Oh, boy. That thing went down today. Wow. That was a beautiful thing. Down $19. All I kept hearing about is, once again, the demise of the dollar. We've been hearing about that for how long we've been hearing about that for. Even the missus said, you know, why does everyone complain about America, yet... It's the country asking forgiveness 
from our friend Anthony Peters, yet it's the country almost everyone wants to come to, except for the entertainers who say, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm moving and I'm never coming back. So um, I don't know. Uh, I know. All right. Well, you said you're not an economist, but talk to me about the uh, talk to me about the economy. What do you have any views on the economy? You see people getting laid off. You see like yeah. like, like tell yeah. me, explain to me how layoffs are up. Not, I saw the statistic and I didn't vet it and I'll trust it. Ninety eight percent layoffs are up. Ninety eight percent versus this year over year. Explain well, to me where I, these jobs, these people that get laid off go. Every bank you hear about is eliminating somebody somewhere, you know. Well, so, and this will sound snarky, but it isn't. There, it just sort of as a high-level answer. You know, they say a recession is when you're out of work and a depression, excuse me, a recession is when your neighbor's out of work and a depression is when you're out of work. So it, it it's all politics are local. So if your business is fine, and things are going along, you don't think so much about it. But I do wonder, again, because like United Parcel laid off, was it 30,000 people or something like that? I think that. it was more than that, dude. I thought it was more. There was a big number. Yeah. I, yeah. I, try, I try and be careful with the numbers because months ago I used the number and I, I got reprimanded by a, a former friend. Um I agree with you. There do, does seem to be a lot of layoffs. Again, if I could just express in utmost sincerity, you can't rely on these economic statistics. The okay. GDP number, the GDP number, bro. Like, do do you know? And I'm going to just spitball this. They're probably still revising the GDP number from seven years ago. Bingo, bro. Yeah. So, so the fact that, and this is going to play into the, 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 the best comment ever, the fact that people are getting hung up on this number, that number, that's not the point. The point is... If you're not a professional trader, if you're an investor, okay, it's all about you and your long-term objectives aren't going to be affected by one payroll number, right? You, you need to, again, I'm not going to go through it. It's in previous episodes, but start with where you want to end up. Look at where you're at. How are you going to get from where you're at to where you want to be? And that's how you build out your portfolio. You're not an economist. I, you know, I'm not an economist. The individual investor is not an economist. And, and the greatest investors of all time, one, you know, whose returns we compete with, um, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Howard Marks, the guys at... Um, wheel lock that I like so much, you know, is it summer or is it winter? I thought about that this week, dude. That's so funny. You mentioned that quote. You can tell if it's February or July, you know, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking about this week, but that I just, that was the quote. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Something this week, it was, I don't know what it was, but I said, it's July or it's February. You don't need to know yeah. if it's June or July. It's July or it's February, but thank you. Yeah. 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 I am still, still, still buying into the Lacey Hunt. We've created a lot of debt. Is it too much debt? That's a question for another day, as our circle of email friends would say. That's not a today issue. It's not even a tomorrow issue. It's a 10-year issue. But, um, you know... Uh, you got to just figure out what are you trying to achieve in your own circumstance and then go about your business. This is not, you know, Warren Buffett wasn't trying to speculate on the direction of the economy. 
Howard Marks, you know, I think, again, would give you more of the wheel lock, you know, is it winter or is it summer, right? Um, but uh, right now for me, I again, I think the amount of debt that's been issued, I think the amount of debt in the levered real estate market, whether it's residential or commercial, I think that's going to be a drag on the economy. Um, and again, it said not that long ago, if you've been following the pre-COVID playbook, you've been fucked left and right. And I don't think we're supposed to go back to the pre-COVID playbook yet. It, it, you know, that's that saying, it's like it takes years to build a reputation and hours to ruin it. This data can't go from being re really reliable to be totally fucked to be completely reliable again in a period of six, eight, 10, 12, 14 weeks. And if you're a long-term investor, okay, it, you, you're, you've got the advantage of time on your side. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I, it's, we've talked about in the past how, when I was exercising, notice how I put that in the past tense. I would go, I would go rock climbing, and I think this is pretty typical. You know, when people are trudging up the hill, you keep thinking, "Oh God, I just I can't wait till I don't have to go up, and then I can just go down." And what I realized was, fucking going down was three times worse than going up, right? Because and this is like a little bit of a phrase. I mean, you got time and you got gravity. Okay. They're there. They're, they're not going anywhere. So you might as well try and make them your ally. Okay. As far as gravity goes, when you're going up, you know how gravity is going to behave. And you can manage it because you're going up. When you're going down, gravity has a mind of its own. If that thing catches on, it's going to be really popular. Okay. Just point that out to Kathy Wood. Um, but no, that's why descending and at the end of the day, so many people get hurt because they get a little casual. And just like the landlord, gravity never sleeps. So you make a tiny little mistake descending, you've you you've lost control of the situation. Okay. Pro tip, you're probably not going to need that in investing. But the other point though is time. Everything's about time. Every fucking formula you see, it's divided by the square root of time. Mm -hmm. So when you buy an option, time is working against you. Okay, when you're investing money, time through the concept of compounding works for you. So once again, this isn't going to generate any specific trade ideas, but I'm seeing now, like I bought a life insurance policy 10 years ago, which I did kicking and screaming. Basically, because I hate paying commissions. It just fucking makes me sick. <laughs> Except to your muni guys. Except you, you happily pay them. That's not a commission. That's a consulting fee. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. They, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the trick is finding a way to get your money in a place that's going to compound. And gold ain't it. And cryptocurrencies ain't it. And Kathy Wood ain't it. I had, right? a listener, I had a listener call me this week and said I was laughing. He said he heard someone on Bloomberg spinning, shilling 2 to 5% of your portfolio in gold. And he laughed out loud thinking about you. <laughs> he said, 
He said, you know, he listens to the show forever. And he said, I was laughing out loud this week. Somebody was on Bloomberg pitching gold. All I could think about was Morris. <laughs> so um, my subscription to Kevin Mears um, newsletter has not run out yet. Um, as you know, I've, I've jettisoned all paid public uh, publications. Part of your retirement. But um, yeah, uh, got to eat. Uh, but he was talking about how gold volatility, option volatility is very low. Out of respect for Kevin and natural curiosity, I went and, and I looked and uh, it is, it's, it's lower than when I began that death march several years ago. Trades like shit. <laughs> By the way, which is not going to be repeated. Gold could go to $50,000 an ounce and it's going there without me. The vol is very low, but I do want to mention one of these folklore things that I remember. So when I was at Greenwich Capital, um, two seats down for me was uh, uh, the option trader, Blake Drexler. And, and, Blake and I were always cordial to one another. Uh, we weren't very friendly, but we were cordial. But without question, I always had a great deal of respect for him. And to this day, he's one of one or two guys I've ever met that can legitimately manage an option portfolio. So I, this guy's the real deal. And um, don't tell him I said that, though, okay? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm getting, getting full of himself. <laughs> well, I don't, you don't like complimenting people. People always wonder when I have something nice to say about someone, whether I'm working an angle. <laughs> um, he made the comment once to me, which it, it lingers, which was, you never want to buy cheap vol. You want to buy expensive vol, which is counterintuitive. You would think the lower the price, the better. I'm not sure we never had this discussion, but I think his point is expensive vol is because stuff's moving around and you can manage the book. And when low vol is low, you get into that um, vicious cycle, the black hole where you know, guys are long premium. They try delta trading the option back and forth. And all it does is compress the the range even more, right? So um, I, I don't really trade options uh, anymore. I've, I basically did the retirement trade a while back. Or as I said to EG, it's the right off into the sunset trade. Um, even though I, I spend three or four hours a day staring at the fucking Bloomberg looking to do swaps. Window, um, shop, window shopping? <laughs> well, you know, every once in a while something something pretty shows up. And, you know, I know there's no return policy, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm, did you the, the the politics? You said you wanted to turn this into a political forum, this show instead of the market. So I thought that we were going to touch on some politics this week. So I spent the day, you know, reading up on your your President Trump. Um, and it's let me give you his comments, dude, because he's bullying Jay Powell. Okay, dude, he gets in front of a microphone today, and let mm -hmm. me give you let me give you the quote. Okay, I know no, you hate listening. No, 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 I don't hate. I, I, go ahead. I think he's going to do something probably I think he's going to do something to probably help the Democrats. It looks to me like he's trying to lower interest rates for the sake of maybe getting people elected. I think he's political. The former president added of Powell in a new interview with uh, Maria Bartiromo, who's a total clown for the record. Trump also reiterated that he wouldn't reappoint Powell when the chair's term expires in 06, blah, 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 in 2026. He was the president, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah, he says... I just can't believe that he comes out and says that stuff. I think he's political. 
You know, I think it looks to me like he's trying to lower interest rates for the sake of maybe, which is comical because Powell came out this week and said, I'm not going to lower interest rates, you know, but it does set it up for July right before the election. And you said, stay away from political markets. When does this market get political? And the, uh, and the numbers, and when do you become like sketched out by those numbers? Like you can't trust the numbers. The new, the news feed is weird, you know? And to me, this is the perfect time to go through your portfolio, look at every single position, and ask yourself, do you love this position? NVIDIA, yes. <laughs> oh, you like that one, huh? Awesome. I, know, I know two other people who have it, and they're just <laughs> laughing at me. They're laughing at me, laughing at me, laughing. I'm just, at me. I'm, I'm just trolling you, you know. But like every day, dude, I get another alert on my phone that Nvidia it's is gone up. Right? I can't even well, tell you what they do. <laughs> art is artificial intelligence. That's sure. the new. It's the new Bitcoin. I love it. I told you several a couple of years ago. A, a doctor friend of mine said, you know, radiologists were going to be out of a job because artificial intelligence was going to do all the radiology because it was so much better than doctors. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, well, for better or worse, you're more in touch with, let's say, the common man. Do you see them sitting around saying, geez, a 25 basis point cut in the funds rate? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna vote for the other guy. Dude, 90, 90, 90, all right, so 90% of Americans have a fixed mortgage, so nobody gives a shit about the rate hikes. Okay. 95% of America doesn't know who Jay Powell is. Yeah. Will you agree with that? Well, it it, it sounds why would they? Dude, on Leno, there used to be a show. Anyone in America remembers Jay Leno and The Tonight Show. Leno used to go out on the streets. Granted, this is West Hollywood, but he'd go out on the street in the evening and be, he'd be like, uh, can you tell me uh, what country Los Angeles is the capital of? And people would be like, stumped and like confused. You know, he'd get them with like simple questions. He'd be like, can you tell me who the vice president is? And they'd be like, absolutely not, you know? They're like yeah. basic not dude. This is now this is 10, 20 years ago. The common man, dude, cares about this week, the Super Bowl, you know, the, the political news cycle. Okay. Right. Right. Um, and like maybe we're getting ready, hopefully spring. Like, you know, like those are the three headlines. Right. If you watch the news, it's like, uh, right, we got the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, politics, Trump, Trump, Trump. Um, I you know, like I Oh, the border. The people care about the border. People, everyone no, feels some type right. of way about the border. What's going on? And I get that, but that is the dominant headlines. The you know, the it's it's Trump. Da, 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 da. We got a long way to go until November. Okay, the Super Bowl, Taylor Swift, and like, dude, interest rate hikes. Nobody gives a shit except for Wall Street. Okay, well, that's Wall Street's little fun toy that they can play with and talk about until God knows when. You know, until the spring, until the summer, and we can, you know, you can. Well, it brings you back to your point. So if Trump is talking about interest rates being politicized, it's obtuse. It is. I mean, it, it is. It's just, he's just it talking. Is. It's comical, you know? And like, it, it's just like the... I don't want to get into the whole, like, the, 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 oh, I, I the get theater it. of it, the theater of it, and like, you know... Well, this is... This thought hit me. Do you, do you think there'll be a debate between Trump and Biden? No chance. Okay. I don't think, but dude, if if the picture, dude, Biden can barely walk around a diner and sit down and get a piece of pie, like physically. See, that, that's what I was going to say. Like him standing for 90 minutes. Can't do he, it. He could die. Can't do it. Can't do it, dude. All right. Well. There, there you go. No, no, no. There you go. Let's go. This is the, the political hour. This is the political. But hour. I don't. I don't. I don't. It's, it? it's concerning. So, like that. That to me leaves the door open to the political question mark of how does that impact the market? Like that's a there's the civil, you know, the outlook, the American outlook. Okay, the economy. Like if you if you judge the economy 
not off of the the you mish consumer sentiment number. And you went down to Main Street and you said, all right, how many businesses are building up? How many businesses are doing well? How many people are really having jobs? How many people are struggling? And then you rated it, you know? You, you know, you're you're just setting me up to come back to say the same thing, Good. which is go through your positions. If you don't love it, get out, get neutral or, or get liquid and wait and see. It's it's there's too many paths this thing can go right now. You, you know, like um, Iran uh, blew up a bunch of Americans, right? So we were shooting some missiles back at them. Uh, where Where is that going to go? How about the, sh the shipping of oil in, in the Suez Canal? Um, what the, the U.S. economy? We, we, there's so much that's up in the air. And I've said this before. I, I keep repeating it as long as you keep asking me the, the same thing, which is at these rate levels, I don't see why you need to be taking any risk. If you have an opinion or you have a long-term goal, if you've been putting money away in stocks, every, you know, a hundred bucks a week or whatever. Yeah, just because your time horizon is longer than this event horizon, right? So if you're speculating in this environment, yeah, you, you got to sign off on, you get what you get, right? And it ain't going to be because you think, because you're smart. It's going to be because you're lucky. Now, if Kevin Muir points out correctly that Goldval is very cheap. That's a good point. But gold has got to go up, and it's got to go up in a hurry. So now you're, you're, the clock is ticking against you. So here are, you know, Morris's rules. You know, gravity, make it your ally. Time, make time your ally. Being stuff that pays you while you're waiting. That's why I, the thing I really like about fixed income, the prices, they move. They move good. Not, not as much as the stocks do generally, but, but they move a bit. But every day, the clock ticks and you're getting interest. And that bleeds into that forward price thing where I said, you know, if gold's thousand bucks an ounce, in a year, it's got to be a thousand fifty for you to break even, right? And then the next year, it's a thousand fifty plus you know, times one point oh five, and yet down the road, it's got to be two thousand dollars an ounce versus if you just held it in three month bills. Uh, so I, I again, truly unique time in that you can get paid a rate of return, which is a real rate of interest, meaning a return above the inflation rate, and have effectively zero risk because you could buy a three-month bill. And, and I'm not going to get into the debate whether you owning U.S. Treasuries is a risk asset. That I, I, won't, I will not entertain that discussion. That, take that, find another wall to bang your head against, as Leslie would say. Um, so to me, all these things you bring up, which are points of confusion, make the decision simpler. Because when you know the economy is, is weakening, or you know the economy is strengthening, you, you know what to do when you're not sure what the economy's doing. You're not sure things like the price of oil. You don't know what sort of geopolitical tensions are going to take place. China, which I don't really focus on, that's a fucking disaster. Going to zero. <laughs> and I don't know what percentage of the U.S. China is, 
and it's not a large percentage, but it, you know, it's a real country. There's a lot of people there. And yeah. and that ain't accreting growth. They're, they have trouble there. I, it's like to, to say I want to do this, that, or the other thing for the next three months, you know, for an investor seems to be obtuse. Yeah. If you're an RV guy, you know, relative value guy saying, you know, the old 10 years, eight basis points rich to the 10 year, and you want, okay, that, yeah, that's fine. I got it. Hedge out the curve, fix your financing. But, you know, you know, if, you, if you're an RV guy and you're saying, you know, twos, fives, tens, butterfly, it, no, go home. Take your ball, go home. You you have no advantage. There's nothing there for you other than looking stupid. <laughs> okay, goodbye. We're out of here. Are we are we done? Time's up. You're done. <laughs> well, it's great to see you. All right, my friend. It's good to have you back. It's good to have you back safe and in, in home on soil. All right. I'm here and I'm, and I'm not going anywhere. I might not even leave the fucking house. <laughs> I'll see you soon, pal. Thank you. Be well. All right, buddy.